Uh, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 51 through 59 uh, today. John 6, 51 through 59. It says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So I was uh, I saw this passage and other hard passages um, in the preaching calendar, so to speak. You know, if you just go along, you can you, you know what you're going to be preaching on um, here in the near future. And I was hoping that Pastor Laramie was going to draw this this passage here, but it, it came on me. So um, that, that's what I like about preaching through the Bible. This is not a a passage that uh, I think any preacher would say, "Hey, I, I want to preach on verses." Uh, 51 to 59 of chapter 6 today, um, just because it, 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 is a, it is a hard saying, so to speak, from the disciples. But actually, it makes a lot of sense, and, and I, I, I hope it, it actually came together a lot smoother and easier than um, I had anticipated beforehand. Um, I, I think this is a wonderful uh, sermon and, and how it points to Christ being the true food and true drink and what that means for us. Um, so we're going to continue that focus, or the focus um, of the theme of the second half of John chapter 6. And when I say the second half, I basically mean from verse 22 on through the end of the chapter. That's when Jesus uh, begins the I am the bread of life um, discourse there. So we're focusing on that uh, today, uh, the ending of the uh, Jesus is the bread of life. Obviously, we have next week as well, but uh, this, this today kind of sums up that whole teaching on I am the bread of life. Um, here we learn that he is teaching the Jews in a synagogue or in the synagogue at Capernaum. That's how we ended um, our, our passage. Verse 59 says that. The topic of conversation is Jesus' true identity. Uh, so it's, it's talking about, he's talking about his deity. Uh, they see him as something different, but, but Jesus is proclaiming his deity. So he's proclaiming that he is God. More specifically, he is the son of God. And uh, this is a big thing for the Jews who are listening because they only see Jesus as a potential earthly ruler. And if we go back, we can see that playing along throughout the whole gospel of John. But really and truly, we, we see that in chapters five and six, uh, where they're just expecting 
they, they see these, these wonderful miracles that he's, he's producing or that he is doing, and uh, they can't relate it to, well, he's the son of God. They just relate it to, wow, this man is different. He's special. Um, he can lead us, and he can free us from Roman oppression. So they're looking to Jesus as this wonderful, potential earthly ruler who can free them, but Jesus reveals himself as the one sent from God to rescue God's people. That's, that's what he's doing here in chapter 6. Basically, he's telling them and showing them that I'm the Messiah. The works that I do, they point to that. Uh, the words that I, the, the, the things that I teach, they point to that. The person that I am, that points to that. So Jesus is pointing to himself as a Messiah, uh, and, and it's, it's something that we should pay attention to as well because he is the only Messiah. Um, he is the one whom God has sent. And that's, that's one thing we're going to talk about today. Um, what, what I think, I mean, what we know so far, and we talked about this the last two weeks, but I want to remind people today of where the Jews are, who Jesus is speaking to today. Um, he's, the Jews only want to be provided for in a secular way. As I said before, they can't see past that. And so in, in our verse, or actually the verse prior to verse 34, um, which I preached on last week, it, it says that they ask him to be fed by him always. Um, in other words, they want Jesus as a modern-day Moses. That's what they're looking to Jesus as. Um, they, the Jews heavily respected Moses. Uh, he was the greatest uh, prophet um, that God had sent them. That, that's, in, his, in their eyes, that's who Moses was. So they they looked to Jesus as a modern-day Moses. Just as Moses, God used Moses to feed the Israelites in the wilderness um, through the manna and, and also through the, the dew on the ground, um, they wanted uh, uh, Jesus to be just like Moses and meet their, meet their physical needs. Uh, and, but Jesus tells them that he is greater than Moses. As, as I said, we know that what God did through Moses but all the, the bread and, and, and water he provided through Moses, um, that was for the Israelites' physical life. It didn't go beyond that. And Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm greater than Moses because I, I am true food and I am true drink. And what I provide, it not only sustains your physical life, but also sustains your spiritual life to eternal life. So this is the, the claim that he is making because... There's a difference between Christ and anybody else, especially Christ and Moses. Um, because in Christ, God provides true food and true drink for the eternal life of his people. That's our sermon summary today, and that's, that's what we're going to be talking about. And when I say eternal life, I mean both physical and spiritual. So in Christ, God provides true food and true drink for the eternal life of his people. And that speaks to both uh, the physical and the spiritual. So the lessons we can learn from this passage, I think, are extremely important. Uh, there are two things that, uh, that I want to talk about today, and then I want to sum it all up for us. The first thing is, Jesus is the Messiah provided to us by God. We are, we're going to clearly see that in this, in this uh, passage. He is uh, the Messiah provided to us by God. And uh, that's what some of this hard language is getting to. And then also, um, there, in this passage, there's a wonderful promise that if we abide in him, he will abide in us. We're going to talk about what abide means and, and, and what, 
what that means for the Christian and, and what that does for us. And then, as I promised, I, I think it's, it's uh, good to summarize the second half of chapter 6. I think it's really good for us to do that today so that we can see how it all comes together uh, by Jesus beginning with saying that he is the bread of life and how everything else falls in under that. So let's get started. Uh, Jesus is the Messiah provided to us by God. You see, when Jesus speaks of offering his flesh to eat and blood to drink, obviously this is figurative language here. This is not, um, this is not something that Jesus is telling us to do. He's not calling us to cannibalism. Uh, he wasn't calling the Christians there to cannibalism. This is figurative language. And this is similar to language that he's used before. When we speak about figurative language, we see in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came and spoke to him, and he said, what must, I be, what, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, he didn't get it. He was like, how am I supposed to do that? My, do I enter my mother's womb and, and, am I born again, and to be born again? And, and Jesus says, no, no, you're, you're, not, you're not getting it. Jesus meant the birth of a new nature. So John, I mean, um, Nicodemus came to him and, and said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, you must be born again, meaning uh, God must give you a new heart. He must remove that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Uh, in other words, you must spiritually be a new creature. That's the way to salvation. Um, and then again, in chapter 4, when Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman, uh, he offered her living water, you know, and, and as opposed to the water that she was there to get from the well. And when he offered her living water, um, it wasn't water that was physically alive, uh, but basically what Jesus meant was that he himself uh, had, was, was living water. He was the life, and he would bring spiritual uh, nourishment to her soul. Again, figurative language that Jesus is using. But we know that in both instances, uh, the one Jesus spoke to misunderstood what he was speaking about. And the same is true here. Because when Jesus said, the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh, what happens? Well, the Jews respond uh, with displeasure. They said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Uh, that's spoken by them in uh, verse 52. To make matters a little bit more difficult for the Jews who were listening to him, Jesus also not only said that you have to eat my flesh, but then he also says you have to drink my blood, that Jesus was given his blood. And he did that in verses 53 and 54. And uh, the way in which he did it, uh, it's, it's pretty unique. Uh, let me read that to you again. It says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So he tied his, the, the eating of his flesh and the drinking of his blood to life. Now, this, this would have been repulsive uh, to a Jew. For someone to tell them to eat flesh and drink blood. Just, just going back to Old Testament law, drinking blood was not something that, that should be done. Uh, so this would have been repulsive. But Jesus was making a very important point. Now, we have to admit, too, whenever we read the verse, we kind of like we kind of make that, you know, that face like what? What's going on here? I mean, it's kind of repulsive to us, too, because we can't imagine 
eating someone's flesh and drinking someone's blood if we took that literal. Um, but like I said, it's figurative language, and there's an important point that's being made. The flesh and the blood, uh, usually when someone is talking about flesh and blood and, and these kind of terms, it's uh, usually not in reference to someone who is living, but rather someone who has died. And there is a restraint to stay away. Uh, in the Old Testament, you saw that there was a restraint by the law not to touch anyone uh, who had passed away. Uh, obviously, not to drink blood from any animal uh, who was already dead. Uh, so these things were uh, in place by uh, the laws in the Old Testament. But one thing that we have to recognize here is that flesh and blood was also usually tied to ritualistic sacrifices. So the point that Jesus is making here is that Jesus was pointing to the sacrifice he would be on the cross for believers. And that's what the reference he is making to his flesh and his blood. Now, I think that's easy for us to see on, you know, now that we're here at this point in time, because what do we do as a church to recognize uh, Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross. Well, we have the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, what are we doing? We are thanking God for the flesh that was broken for us, and we are thanking God for the blood that was spilled for us. So it, we can relate to this very easily, but for the Jew hearing that at that time, it, it wasn't the same picture for them. They, they had a hard time with it. But we can clearly see this is what Jesus is speaking about. He is saying that, look, listen, I am the Messiah that God promised. I am he. I am available for you all. I am he. In order for you to be saved by me, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's pointing to his bodily, that his bodily death would bring us life. That's why he says, if you don't eat my flesh or drink my blood, you have no life in you. If you don't recognize my sacrifice on the cross and, and, and cry out to me to save you, you have no life in you. He is the Messiah that God has provided. If you have not reached out to Christ, then my friend, you are lost in your sins. And there is no way for you to be saved. We are only saved by faith in Christ. There is no other way. And, and, and Jesus is making that completely clear here um, for those who have been gifted with the Spirit to understand it. Now, the crowd that he is speaking to completely misses the point but, but we must be careful not to. I want you to notice something in verse 53. Notice the, the designation that Jesus uses. He says, the son of man. Now, he uses that term very purposefully. Um, as a man, Jesus had flesh and blood. As God, we understand that he was the one that God had set his seal upon eternal life that's what we learned earlier in chapter 6 putting those two together we can come to know that Jesus is the man where God is supremely revealed 
God revealed himself in the man, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is truly man and he is truly God. That's why, that's why we are called to eat the flesh and drink the blood of Christ as opposed to anyone else. His flesh and blood, they are true food and they are true drink. Why? Because they provide eternal life for us. That's, that's what he's getting to with the figurative language. And those who feed on Jesus will have eternal life because he is the Messiah that God has provided for us. It ties back with him saying, I am the bread of life. Well, what do you do with bread? If you're anything like me and you love carbs, you eat it. And, and he's, he's saying that's, that's what you have to do. If he's using this, figure, this figurative language to describe himself as the bread of life, well, what's bread for? Sustenance, nutrition. Jesus says, I provide that for you and eternal life. I provide that for you physically and spiritually. If you take part in me, then you have life. If you do not take part in me, you have no life. You are dead. So once we start to understand what that language is and what he's trying to say, it makes it easier for us to comprehend it and, and really relate it to our lives. Because this is what Jesus is getting at for all believers. Right, really for all people. I shouldn't say believers. If we abide in him, he will abide in us. That is extremely important. That's the second point that um, I want to get to. So if the language is figurative, then what does it mean to feed on Jesus? I, I think that question is answered within our text. Uh, verse 56, 56, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, listen to this, abides in me and I in him. When we see the terms abide in me and I in him in verse 56, um, we must understand that it's one of John's favorite terms to use. And he uses it on the regular too. It is one of his favorite sayings of Jesus that he uses. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 24. says, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. That's what John says in First John 3.24. He also uses that, um, that the same language in uh, 1 John 4.13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. There's several more examples where John uses that. It's pretty neat. Like, you know, you, you hear Jesus say this and then, and then later on you see John using it. And it's like, wow, how awesome to pick up something from Christ, you know? I, I, you know, a lot of us, we pick up our, our favorite phrases from our favorite teachers, but, but to, to pick up something from, from Christ himself, uh, to hear it uh, as Christ spoke it, it's real neat to see uh, John use it in the same way. But to me, that's exactly what Jesus is pointing to whenever he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. It means that we are to um, abide in him and he will abide in us. 
That phrase is really important because it defines, it not only defines the relationship that the triune God has, uh, but also the relationship that should be between Christians and Christ. We are called to abide in him and he in us. When you look at the word abide, it's very interesting. It means to uh, just be sustained, to stay there, to, to not leave, not leave for any reason at all. To stay under the servanthood of. There's a lot of different things that you can really relate it to, but it just means to be there. To be there and never leave. That's a wonderful picture of the relationship that Christians should have with Christ. For us to feed on Jesus means that we abide in him and he in us. That means that we continue to identify with Jesus as long as we live. When we are called to abide in him, we proclaim his name as long as we live. That means that we continue as a Christian as long as we live. That's what it means to abide. A lot of people don't know and don't understand what that means because there are a lot of people who are in and out, in and out, in and out, depending on whatever is going on in their lives. But the Bible doesn't call us to do that. In fact, it says no matter what is going on, that we are to praise God in heaven, that we, are to, uh, that we are to always be people who are trusting, hoping, and praying. Pray without ceasing, we are told. So we are to continue as Christians no matter how bad it gets. That's what it means to abide. It also means to, to uh, continue in saving faith and also to continue in transformation of life. I, I think all those are extremely important especially when we talk about the transformation of life. We are told that if we are gods, that you will see the fruit because it is not, who is, it is not us who are working in ourselves, but rather it is the spirit of God who is working in us to bear fruit. So there is transformation in the person's life who abides in Christ. They are not only a new creature and a new creation, but you also start to see that happening before your very eyes. Um, also, on the other side, for Christ to abide in us, that means that Jesus identifies himself with the believer. How? By helping the believer. We have the help of Christ. We have the blessings of Christ. We have uh, the life and personal presence of the Holy Spirit because of Christ. He abides in us through his spirit. He teaches us. He speaks to us. He, he helps us. He empowers us. He convicts us. He does all these things through the, through the life of the spirit in us. Jesus is completely committed to us. What really this abiding in, what it really points to is the way marriage should be. But the way marriage is not because of sin that we have. But God's marriage to the church is perfect. The church abides in him and he abides in the church. That relationship will never be broken. And it's not because of the church. It's because of God. The wonderful, wonderful blessing. But when we go to verse 57, it clearly points out that God, the living Father, has sent Jesus to a, 
I like to say to a starving and dying world. He sent the bread of life to a starving and dying world. And it says, whoever feeds on him, whoever abides in him, will have life because of him. The Father has life in himself. Jesus has life in himself. And those who abide in Christ, because he lives, they will live. I want to share this last verse with you. And then I, I want to get to the summary, because I, I, the summary is very important. But this last verse comes from 1 John 4, uh, 14 through 16. This kind of ties everything together when I speak about abiding in him and he in us. 1 John 4, 14 through 16. It says this, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the one that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now, to bring it all together, from verse 22 all the way to verse 59 where we stand today, I think this is important. First, we must understand that Jesus says in verse 35 that he is the bread of life. That's what kind of starts this whole thing off. Once you start to read that, you start to wonder, what does Jesus mean? What is he getting at? What is this teaching about? Well, by Jesus saying that he is the bread of life, verse 27 tells us, on him God the Father has set his seal. That means he is the one who is approved by the Father. He is the one who is sent by the Father. Verse 33 says, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and he gives life to the world. Then we see that Jesus teaches on how we come to the bread of life, how we come to him. And he says, you don't come to him on your own. You are fed the bread of life because it is the father who draws his people to the bread of life. That's what it says in verse 44. And then verse 37 says, all that the father gives to Christ, all that the Father gives to the bread of life will come to him, and whoever comes to him will not be cast out. Then verse 40, it says, The will of the Father is that everyone who looks on the Son, on the bread of life, and believes in him, shall have eternal life. Then he continues on, verse 53 Unless you eat the flesh of the bread of life and, bring, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 54. Whoever feeds on his flesh and drinks his blood has eternal life. Verse 55. Because his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink. Then verse 56. Therefore, whoever feeds on him abides in him and he in them. And then we get down to 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. I just think bringing it all together like that 
just makes sense. It's not confusing at all. Whenever you just bring it together and see it for what it is, this is what Jesus was teaching on that day. This is what it meant for him to be called the bread of life. That bread of life has been given to us. We have been drawn by the Father to eat of his flesh and to drink of his blood so that we could have eternal life. Now, my prayer today is that everyone who is here, if you're a Christian or not, everyone who is here, that it helps you to identify the need that you have for Christ. It is true. In him, we live, we move, and we have our being. Everything we are is because of him. We are made to serve him. So there is this, this, this wonderful need that we have of Christ. We must understand that in him, God has provided for our eternal life. Without him, there is no life. We all, must also understand that we must abide, we must remain in him, and he will remain in us. And the most important thing, if you don't know Christ as your Savior today, you must realize that you are desperately lost. You are desperately lost. And the Bible is calling you to come to faith in him. He is more than a prophet. He is more than an apostle, a teacher, a good person. He is God in the flesh. He is the Messiah that was promised to us all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. As soon as man sinned, fell into sin, God says, I have a Messiah for you. Jesus Christ is that Messiah. The Bible says that we must believe in him as the Messiah. And we must repent of our sins. That is extremely important. And every person, in order to be a Christian, must do that. So this morning, I want to take some time. I want to call uh, our prayer partners to the front and to the back. And I um, also want to call our prison worship team, whoever was designated to come and play or to sing. I want to give some time to uh, people to respond. I think this is extremely important. And what you're responding to is, is you're responding to uh, what was preached on, the invitation to believe and to repent. See, I, I don't have to talk you into this because if you are truly God's, it is his spirit who is talking to you right now. He is convicting you of your sin and he is also communicating the need you have for Christ. He is the bread of life. So I pray that you come and take advantage and pray with your brother, your brother or your sister in Christ. Tell them, I'm here because I need Christ. Let them pray with you. We're going to do that as a song plays. And then after that, we'll have our final prayer.
Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your love. Thank you for your word and the truth in it. Father, we thank you that you have provided Christ to be our Savior, for he is true food and true drink.